far more special than any of us can imagine. And um, so just to be here is a tremendous honor to be involved in any way. But um, this is, uh, this is, a, we don't use these terms, but this is a magic moment in the right term, in the right terminology. It's very exceedingly special. And we thank God for Chad and Melissa Bradley. Very, 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 very much thank God for them. I, I don't, I didn't have the uh, pleasure of watching Chad grow up, nor necessarily Melissa, but I do remember the little red-headed girl running around the Olds Alberta camp meeting and uh, her and a little blonde-headed boy, I can't think of his name right now, but those are the two faces that always stood out to me. And um, as far as the little kids, well, of course, my boys, they, they got memories up there too. And I didn't usually see their faces up there. I saw the back of their heads when they were running off somewhere. But uh, here we are, and my, 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 what an interesting world we live in. I'm going to ask us while we're standing, if you would, to please turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 7. had a list here I just placed down the names of visiting ministers and uh, to acknowledge you but you've already been acknowledged it is good to see brother and sister Gavin Barrier our youth leaders and then of course God bless sister Johnny Ann and brother Seth and sister Casey Lynn and everybody that's here thank God for you and we're glad for this special couple and what God is doing in their world. When I was 19 and I came to God, I would uh, sit on the front row of our little church. There were 18 people there. I became number 19. I sat right in front of the pulpit. My pastor would get up to preach. I had a number two lead pencil and a, and a big chief notebook tablet. And my old buddies, if they'd have seen me, the, the fellow drunkards, alcoholics, street fighters, drug dealers, idiots, if they'd have seen me sitting there like a little kid with my big chief notebook tablet and my number two lead pencil, they would have thought I lost my mind. Well, I turned 68 the other day hope I'm not carrying a coffin. <laughs> but the older you get, you just, I was thinking tonight, Sister Johnny Ann, that song you sang, I want, I've got it down already. I plan my funeral about two, three times a year. And uh, I've got that song down to be sung, but I'd hereby designate you to be the singer thereof. Um, I haven't, I haven't changed that in the notes. I just wanted to record of it just in case but anyway now I'm 68 I have a number two lead pencil I still carry a big chief notebook tablet I have an iPad too but uh, I just 
I love this kingdom as much as I ever did. And I think it's wonderful. So Brother Chad, Sister Melissa, hereafter you will be forever known as Brother and Sister Bradley. That's the way it works. And uh, I remember when your daddy prayed through and your grandma prayed through at Brother Sam White's church. I don't even remember how many years ago, 38? 38 years ago. I remember the night you both prayed through. There was a scad of you. So awesome. And so here we are. Who'd have dreamed? Who would have dreamed? And you are going to a beautiful part of the world. It really is. And you'll do a great work there. Having said all of that, and I know you've been patient, Luke 7, verse 24, we begin. And when the messengers of John were departed, he, Jesus Christ, began to speak unto the people concerning John the Baptist. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you. And this really gets interesting. Really gets interesting. And much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, by no less a prophet than Isaiah, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. And it gets very interesting. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, that there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And then it goes into the realm of utterly fascinating but Jesus says what he means and he means what he says but he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he the least in the kingdom is greater than John and there's no greater prophet than John. Let's ask that God tonight would talk to us as only he's able. Lord, in Jesus' name, we stand in awe of you. You have brought us here for this time, this moment, this occasion, this momentous occasion. And in the name of Jesus, we commit this service as we will commit this couple into your hands to work in your marvelous, matchless, glorious kingdom of which there shall be no end ever. We commit it all into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your patience. You may certainly be seated. Um, this is um, a very, very different message.
I received this September 13th. I can take you to the spot. I'll never forget the spot that I received this message on a tiny, tiny two-lane, very curvy road in the autumn in West Virginia. And uh, when God gave me this message, when I first chance I could, and I could pull off to the side of the road and have enough room to park and not get hit with another car, I did so, and not to be melodramatic, but I began to weep because I'd been asking God off and on about the verses that I've read to you for well over 40 years. I know over 40, and I really believe over 45. But when, my, when I came to God, I knew nothing of Scripture. I could, I could quote one verse, John 3.16, but I had a hard time finding it, and I didn't even know what it meant. And uh, so when I began to read the Bible, it was a whole new world to me, though I had read portions of it before. Um, it, it, I, I, I didn't get all that much out of the Book of Palms. I didn't really understand Genesis. And uh, the Book of Acts did interest me about the Holy Ghost business. But uh, once I'd received the Holy Ghost and I'd taken on his name in baptism in a cow pond in April of 1972, now when I began to read this book, it was a brand new book because the author was now in me. It certainly did not mean that I understood it all or grasped it all because I did not. I drove my poor pastor crazy. I would sit on the front row, I'd take down, when he would preach, I'd write down every single scripture. One of the ways I got to know my Bible is I'd take this Bible, I'd take those scriptures home, I'd look up every single verse, thus I began to familiarize myself with the chapters and where they were in the books. And I'd write down my host of questions, and my pastor managed to be full-time with 19 people. I didn't even have a job, let alone a revelation of paying tithes yet, but I soon got both, and uh, I didn't think he had anything better to do than to answer the phone and answer my questions, and so I do this daily, and finally one day he said, son, son, why don't, why don't, why don't you, uh, you write down all your questions, write them down, and call me once a week. I said, oh, that's cool, yeah, we'll do that, and then years later, I look back with such chagrin and embarrassment, and I've apologized to my pastor many times, but I'm sure glad he helped me, praise God. Having said that, when I would, I, uh, I would ask him everything that I could, and then there was, through the years, through the years, we, we know as ministers, things come to you in a host of ways. I don't even want to get sidetracked in it all. But this verse, these last verses of verse 28 of Luke 7, bothered me many years. Now, 20 years ago, I did get some insight one day while I was reading about of men born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. 
I finally caught that. He did not say that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet. He did not. He said, there's none greater. There's none greater than John. He didn't say John was the greatest. He just said there's none greater. The last part, I still didn't know. And I said, okay, God, I got that. What about, what about the last part? And he didn't talk to me. Um, I'd asked that around. I'd sometimes, uh, one time I was told, said, well, the reason that's least in the kingdom is because the reason they're greater than John is because we have the Holy Ghost, which is cool. But then I read one day more closely, and it said that John got the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. We had to be born of the flesh before we could be born again of the Spirit. He was born of the Spirit before he was born of the flesh. So those that say, well, did he talk in tongues in the womb? Well, you can ask him when you get to heaven. <laughs> All I know is he came out with it. And uh, there's things you just always wonder as you... I wonder sometimes, you know, they would go up to Jerusalem, people would go, I just wonder as these little boys, this six-month-older John, son of Zacharias and Elizabeth, I wonder if he was six or seven, eight, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder what it was like the first time him and Jesus met. I wonder how long they stared at each other. I wonder what went through their minds. There were emotional things, spiritual things, I have no doubt happening that they didn't even understand. But they could feel there's destiny here. But life moves on. So as life moves on, our lives move on. And uh, I found myself in September of 2019, we'd left Pigeon Forge, and I was doing some preaching in North Carolina, and I was leaving, driving out of North Carolina, I was making my way up to West Virginia, and at that time, as I would drive, I was listening through the New Testament, and uh, so I'd come to the book of Luke, I'm going up Highway 95, I'm going to get off of it as soon as I get to the Virginia area. Uh, because if you ever go through West Virginia, stay off the main highways. You will cheat yourself if you go on the main highways. So I'm driving up 95, then I'm listening, and I come to our text yet again. I've got the earbuds in my ears, I'm driving, and, and here it comes. Of men born of women, there's none greater than John, but he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. And so I, I stopped it, I pushed the button, I'm driving. I said, all right, Jesus. It's been well over 40 years and I've been asking you about that last verse. It's time you talk to me. And I waited. I drove. And I, now, some of you may have heard this before. This, this message is very special. It's the only message I've ever received 
in my life, I've got messages I've preached all over the country. But God dealt with me that I, until he lifts it, every church or congregation that I preach to that hasn't heard this, I'm supposed to preach this message. And so from even with COVID, you are number 39. And the last time I preached it was at a ministerial ordination last week in North Dakota. So it, it's, it's, and if you're an avid Holy Ghost radio listener, you may have already heard this five times, so God bless you. Okay. But I'm driving, I'm waiting, I even, I even slowed the car down. Got it down to the speed limit. I put it on cruise. I said, all right, I'm ready. And he still didn't talk to me, so I speeded up and I headed on to West Virginia. When you go to West Virginia, stay off the main highways, get on the two lanes, go through the woods, especially in the fall. In my opinion, West Virginia is one of the most beautiful states in the entire nation, especially in the fall. And don't buy your gas at Exxon, don't Chevron, don't go to a Shell station. You're robbing yourself of a cultural lesson. Go to the mom and pop stores. Go to, go to the little gas stations. I, I went to this one gas station, I pulled in on special. I didn't even need gas that bad. But they, they was my kind of people. There was a gas pump on the end of this island. There was one island. And it was wrapped and held together with duct tape. I said, man, that's my place. That's my kind of engineering. And I, I pulled up and topped it off. And I always go inside, buy something. Because it's interesting there. Somewhere getting out of an old truck or out of a Jeep or something. You'll see they may be in their 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s. 20s, somebody will be there getting out. Some old, some guy, some young guy, they may be barefooted. Or if they have tennies, they got big holes in them. Or whatever. If they're boots, they're old boots. They may be in bib overalls or blue jeans that are not blue anymore. There's holes in them. And you can tell it's battery acid holes or something. Maybe cigarette burn holes. There's the flannel shirts, the long pointed beards, the ponytails, and uh, the characters. And I, I enjoy looking at them because you feel like you're looking at people that are went AWOL from Robert E. Lee's army. And uh, now, I, I'm gonna put the caveat right here. Now, if you wanna see people that have gone AWOL from Robert E. Lee's army, you go to West Virginia, but I always tell folks, if you want to see people from Mars, you come to California. That's, that's where you come. Especially Southern California. That's where the Martians live. And uh, so, so I'm not knocking West Virginia. I'm not. I'm telling this for an important purpose. And uh, so I'm, I'm headed up there to, to preach at a camp meeting. It's a small, good Sweet people, sweet presence of God camp meeting. They're, they're keeping me outside of the county seat 
in a place up in the, in the hills, very nice, very beautiful, very comfortable. And then I'd drive the very curvy two-lane road. I'd go through the county seat, and it's the county seat of Harris County. This is the county seat. There's one flashing red light, one light in town. It's the only light, street light, in the entire county. Seriously, I'm not kidding. The only one. My son Joel said, Dad, did you run that red light? I said, I never thought of it. But, uh, so there I am. In the, it's the first night of the camp meeting, September 13th. I'm not preaching that night because there's a, 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 it's a youth service, very capable a young man, did a great job. But I'm driving down the curvy two-lane road, many miles to go. The sun's about to set. It's beautiful. Now I'm in the book of John. And he decided after over 40 years to talk to me. And I got it. And I realized why he waited so long. Because he wanted to talk to me, and I'm not being ugly or smart, in West Virginia. Gorgeously beautiful. They'll be the first to tell you poverty abounds. The opioid crisis is at its height in West Virginia. The problems, the traumas, the disappointments, the, the broken lives and families. But the sweet people of God, amen, in that, in that, that state. And I'm on a curvy two-lane road in West Virginia in a county with one red light. And I'm fixing to go preach to a small camp meeting precious people that could, some of them tell you stories about how they live now and it's amazing. And I realized why he chose then and there to tell me he that's least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And that's when I began to cry and finally found a spot to pull over my car and weep. It's something that John, that John, amen, of him that is born of women, there's no prophet greater than John. Amen. And, and I'm going to stop here. I'm not mocking poverty either. I remember what it is to live in a rock house built of rocks. Inside wall was the same rock as the outside wall. Dirt floor, tin roof, and watching my mother cook food in a Folgers coffee can. I know what it is to be poor. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought, that's life. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking any of that stuff. But when you think about John, it's a pretty amazing thing to consider. 
None is greater than John. Moses is not greater. The ministry of Moses started at 80, but he did preach, teach, write, minister, do miracles for 40 years. Isaiah's ministry was 64 years long. Amen. Jeremiah's ministry was over 50 years. And John's ministry at the most was six months long. John 10, 41 tells us John did no miracles. Not one, not one. He never brought down 10 plagues as did Moses and bring the most mighty nation on earth to its knees. He never parted the Red Sea. Amen. When the enemies of Moses rose up against him within the congregation, God opened up the earth, swallowed them, and shut back up, the Bible said, taking them instantly to the pit. He fast-tracked them to hell for the rebellion. When John's enemies rose up against him, he was arrested, and in a few days his head was cut off. And that was it. John never called down fire out of heaven, as did Elijah. He never shut up the windows of heaven for three years, as did that man of God. He never raised a widow's child, as did Elisha, or caused an axe head to float on the water, as did Elisha, who had a double portion of God's spirit and anointing, as did Elijah. And yet, Elisha, who did twice as many miracles, was not greater than John. And John never did a miracle. And his ministry was maybe six months. Isaiah's writings, his 66 chapters, King James English comes to 25,608 words. Jeremiah, when you include Lamentations, he writes 35,326 words. Ezekiel, 29,918 words. Moses, between Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, gives us 124,000 911 words, and John wrote nothing. Did no miracles. Preached less than six months. And he gives us less than 600 words. 585, actually. And many of them are repetition. And yet, Moses, you're not greater than John. Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Ezekiel, listen to me, Daniel. You are not greater than John. And so what was it that John did? Isaiah, who gives us his magnificent book, there's 66 books in the Bible, and Isaiah is quoted 66 times in the New Testament. All of the other prophets put together, they are only quoted 33 times all together. So Isaiah has twice as much as all the other Old Testament prophets put together. But Isaiah, you're not greater than John. It was Isaiah in 714, he foresaw the virgin birth. In chapter 9, a child would be born, a son is given, and be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father. 
In 11, nations would seek the counsel of Jesse's descendants. In 27, God would restore the Jews. In 35, Messiah would perform miracles, and we are told what some of them are. In 42, he would be a light to the Gentiles. In 49, his salvation would reach the ends of the earth, and God would never forget the children of Israel. In 50, he would be spat upon and beaten. In 53, Messiah would be rejected. Same chapter, he'd die for our sins. He'd be silent before his accusers. He'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. He would be numbered with the transgressors. And this is just an interesting thing to take note of. In synagogues all over the world, reform, Hasidic, modern, it doesn't matter, this coming Saturday, every synagogue, whether it happens to be open, and they still have some open in China, or the Russian steppes, Anywhere in Europe, the United States, it doesn't matter. Every synagogue we saw, regardless of persuasion, will read from the same scriptural reading this coming Saturday. All of them. All of them. And it's been that way since the days of Ezra. He started the synagogue movement. So when Jesus went into the synagogue and they handed him the book for to read, they handed him Isaiah. What he read was being read in every synagogue throughout the diaspora and in Israel. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. has anointed me to preach the gospel to the meek, etc. Amen. And he said, this, these scriptures have been fulfilled in your ears. And that's the way it was. Every synagogue heard that. They didn't know what Jesus just said, what Jesus just did. Amen. We may not know what he's doing right now, but trust me, we're living in the days he's doing big stuff. You may think political parties are doing big stuff. I'm here to tell you it's child's play compared to what God's got going. You hear me? Child's play. And so it's interesting that in all synagogue movements now, there is one chapter that never gets read by anybody in a synagogue. It's Isaiah 53. They skip it. They don't read it publicly because it raises too many questions. That's fact. There's only one scripture that he gave concerning John, and we've already quoted it. It's in what we call today, 40 and 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So when John finally came 750 years after Isaiah gave that prophecy in Matthew 3, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. So you have 10 words there. And it goes on for this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Tells it again in verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And John is the last, the last. Old Testament prophet. 
Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John. He's the last. And none of the previous prophets are greater than John. And he is heralding him. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. My dispensation that's closing out with me. My message. My intro. Everything I... He could have said, there's nobody behind me greater than me. But compared to the dispensation of the fullness of times, which he's bringing, I'm not fit to untie his shoes, to loose them, to carry them, to do anything with his shoes. And if nobody's greater, Moses would have to say, for all I gave I'm not fit to carry your shoes. Isaiah would have to say, I'm not fit to carry your shoes. Let me tell you, the dispensation we are in, the dispensation of the fullness of times, he's gathered together all things in heaven and in earth, and he's given them. He's given them unto us. And that's what he's given you. And it's not small potatoes. It's bigger than we can possibly imagine. And so when this man who preaches and teaches his whole six months, amen, and when John, when John, his enemies rose, they put him in prison, he almost had a convert in Herod, but he put things off and he did many things gladly. He never made the clean break. And if you don't make the clean break, the past will overcome you. And one night at a birthday party, he drank just a little too much. And his, his stepdaughter danced a little too seductively. And he walked through his mouth and said, what do you want? I'll give you half the kingdom. And she prances to the far end of the table. And that cold, cruel, wicked mother said, Tell him you want the head of John the Baptist. And she prances her way back. And he's there in front of all of his buddies. I want John's head on a platter. And the party got real quiet. And when they brought it up and took the lid off and the sightless eyes and the blood dripping over the edge, everybody was sober, especially Herod. Stand up, Brother Bradley. I won't ask you to hold your head in your hands. It would be a little difficult. But right now, you're John. You've preached less than six months. We only have record of 585 words. You never did a miracle. And your enemies took your head off that quick. When he crossed the river, 
in my mind's eye, I see Moses. I see Isaiah. I see Elijah and Elisha, Zechariah and Micah. I see Ezekiel. I see these prophets. And they look at John in my mind's eye. I see most. I'd have given anything to have your ministry. I talked about, I talked about, you're not doing too good a job listening to me, but God's going to raise up a prophet, and whether you like it or not, you're going to have to hear him. And Isaiah gave so many prophecies about him. But John got to say, that's him. That is the one that was told Eve was going to come, amen, and bruise the serpent's head. This is the long, long sought Messiah. This is the prophet that Moses spoke of. This is the Messiah that would come from the loins of David. This is the one that Micah said would be born in Bethlehem. This is the Redeemer. And I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So stop and think with me. What made John great that none were greater? It wasn't his stature. It wasn't his looks. It wasn't being the cousin of Jesus. It was none of those things. The only thing that made him so great, he got the message that's the Messiah. It was his message that made him so great. Moses is not greater than him. For all of his 125,000 words, this man's 585 outshone him. It was the content of his message that made him so great. And so we come to the last part. He that is least, everybody say least, in the kingdom of God is greater than John. He that's least means he's greater than John that means he's greater than Moses. The least is greater than Isaiah. The least is greater than Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Nehemiah and on and on and on. Least in the kingdom. What? In fact, I want all of the young people in this church, 12 years old and younger, raise your hand. If you're 12 or younger than 12, raise your hands, keep them up. Now, everyone 
of you that are 12 years of age and younger that can quote Acts 2.38. And this is a Bible quizzing church. If you can quote Acts 2.38 and you're 12 years or younger, would you stand? Stand up. That's a good boy. Good boy. Good girl. Good boy. All of everyone that can quote Acts 2.38, 12 years and younger, stand up. Stand up. Now, all of you that are standing, come down here and stand. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Twelve years and younger. As long as you can quote Acts 2.38, come on down. And stand in a line right here. Right face this beautiful congregation. Come on. Stand. Now. And face them. Yeah, face these people. Now, how many of you also happen to know verse 39? You know 39? Anybody else know 39? You do. You're standing in the right spots. So that's the 238, 39 people. Okay. Let me be careful I say this. I was preaching in a church. There was as many people there as from right here to here. There really was. And he was, he was a preacher in the church. That pastor, he, was, he told me after church, he said, I'm starting and closing every service with Acts 2.38 on the wall. Anyway, looky here. Now what I'm going to do, son, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you. And you give me the first word. And then when you pay close attention to him, because where he stops, you pick up. Where she stops, you pick up. And then you, and you, and you, and we're going to work our way through this. Okay, so Acts 2, 38, first verse, first word. Then. Then. Yes, cool. Peter said unto. <laughs> repent and baptize. Be. Be. Then what? Baptize. Every one of you in name of Jesus. The name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the remission of sins and, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Pay close attention. Verse 39. And the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promises to you and to your children. Listen. Jesus says what he means. 
He means what he says. And Jesus said, of men born of women, there's not a prophet greater than John. But he that is least in the kingdom is greater than John. You're looking at little children that Jesus said they're greater than Moses. They're greater than his. Listen, I'm not saying better. Jesus didn't say better. We're not talking about better. We're just talking about greater. And what makes anybody great? Only God makes anybody great. And what does it give us to make us great? It's this message. We're not smarter. We're not better singers. We're not better at anything. Hey, I, I preached this at, at, at North Little Rock at Joel Holmes's. And I said, folks, I love your building. It's awesome. It's fabulous. But have you ever seen the Vatican? The Vatican is more impressive. Our buildings don't make us great. I love your choir. I love our choir. I love Little Rock Choir. Have you ever heard the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? They're mind-boggling. Now, they don't know how to get down on it, but... <laughs> our choirs are not what makes us great. Amen. Our preaching is not what makes us great, if we're, especially if we're not preaching the truth. The only thing that makes us great is this one God, Jesus' name, apostolic, Holy Ghost, holiness message. That and that alone is what makes us greater than John. For all that John had, he did not have this. He said he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He didn't say anything about the death. He didn't say anything about the burial. He didn't say anything about the resurrection. But these young people, they just preached the death, burial, and resurrection. We repent. We die with him in repentance. We're buried with him in baptism. The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in us when we receive that same spirit that raised him up, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Woo! That is the gospel. They met the death, burial. That is the message that makes the least in the kingdom greater than John. Thank you. Thank you. And that's why, Brother Bradley, this service is so important. God has committed this gospel to you for a long time. He knew you from before the foundations of the world. We're not going to wax esoteric. He knew you before. Your daddy prayed through, and your grandma. He knew you before you were a glint in your daddy's eye. He saw you, and he called you, and he kept his hand on you, Sister Melissa, all these years and all these days and all these ways. He brought you two together because he has an imitable, glorious plan. 
and what he has given you. What he has placed into your care. For you to teach and to preach is something and stand up. One of these days, whether it's in the moment or the twinkling of an eye, and we cross the river when John sees you and Moses sees you and they're going to look at you and looking over your shoulder, smiling behind your back is Paul. He's one of our boys. And Simon Peter, who said, could easily say, I knew I wasn't much. And I had foot and mouth at the time. But I knew when to stand up and preach the right message. And when they see you, I can see them. I'd have given anything to have your call, to have your ministry. You may be better than me. I may be better than you, but I sure am not as great as you because of the message that God gave you. And I'm closer to being done than you think, but listen to me. In fact, musicians come just so just so we can know that I'm quasi-serious. Brother Bradley, I will never forget a moment. It was electrifying. And you were definitely anointed. But what made that message that night there in Pigeon Forge so special? When you preached, there's more than Acts 2.38. And you went, Acts 2.38 is everywhere in the book. You were talking about this glorious, powerful, beautiful, only message under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You were preaching the message that though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which you have received, that which you have preached, let him be accursed. And what I don't understand in this day and hour we're living in is people that are doing everything they can to distance themselves from this. So they can be accepted by an evangelical world that is dying on the vine. And all over this nation, our home missionaries are buying fabulous buildings for dimes on dollars. Because their churches are emptying out. Because there's no glory, there's no presence, there's no strength, there's just meanderings, amen. And people sit, and, and, and to see some of our former quote ministers sitting on stools in turtleneck sweaters and doing everything but preaching this truth, I'm here to tell you, that's the, you're leaving the only thing that makes you great, sir!
It's the only thing that makes us special. You don't leave that for your sake, for the sake of the souls, for God's sake. That's what made you great. You gotta cling to it. close with this a good friend of mine I love him he's up in years now he's a wee little Irishman his name is Mervyn Miller he got the revelation of baptism in Jesus name receiving the Holy Ghost the mighty God in Christ from Gordon McGee book is Jesus in the Godhead or the Godhead in Jesus that's where he got it and so as a young man he came over on the Queen Mary he was 19 years of age he would eventually go back start a church in London but when he did go back he had to buy a car had to get around. The bus wouldn't take him everywhere he needed to go. He's looking in the papers. He told this story to our church. He's looking in the papers. Finally, he sees one for the price he could afford, and he, he calls the number, and somebody finally answers the phone. Say, well, hang on. It may be a while. We'll try and find him. He didn't realize he was calling a Trinitarian Pentecostal Bible school outside of London. And so the payphone of those days, and finally he seemed like he was on there forever. Here comes a guy. Hello. Yes, I, I understand you have a car for sale. Yes. Well, would you like to see the car? I'd love to see the car. Well, can you come out to such and such, such and such? There's a bus line two blocks away. Okay. I'll be out there in a few days. And he, he said, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll be there such and such a day. He goes. The young man meets him at the gate. He sees the car. It's in a bunch of high grass. It's rusting out. He didn't, he's not a mechanic. He couldn't afford what it would take to fix the car. He said, I'm sorry. So the student says, would you like to meet our chancellor? He's a fine man. He'd like to meet you. You're a preacher. You're starting a church. Yes. So he takes him, knocks on the door, and he hears the bell and come in. And there sits a big Welshman. He said, Brother Booker, he said, the man was as tall as you, but he was twice as wide. And he said, but his was muscle. So I got the picture. And he said, his big old giant hand claps around my hand and he's shaking it. And he said, so I sit down the student goes out and he says, so you're a Pentecostal preacher. Yes, yes. You're starting a church in London. Yes. Now you're really Pentecostal. Oh, yes. How do you know? Because we speak in tongues. Because the Spirit of God gives the utterance. That's when you know you got the Holy Ghost. Ah, yes, you're Pentecostal. About that time, the chancellor's wife comes in. He greets. They talk along. They've been there about 30 Minutes and the chancellor says, So now, if you're Pentecostal, and he told him who he's with, he said, Now, I, I've never heard of them. 
he said, is there, what's the, is there a difference between what you believe and we believe? And Mervyn Miller said, well, yes, there is. He said, well, what's, what's the biggest difference between us? He said, well, probably it first shows up when, when someone comes and they, they have to repent. We preach, you've got to repent. And then we baptize them in the name of Jesus. And he said, at that moment, at that moment, that man stood up. He put his hands on the desk. Stop. And he said, I know who you are. Donald Gee, the writer, warned us about you. He told us you were coming. You get out of my office now! Marvin Miller, who's about that tall, sir, I said, get out of my office! And he started coming around the side of the desk. Marvin Miller stood up. He said, sir, I'm just giving you scripture. I'm telling you. He said, I said, get out! And he said, he picked me up. He turned me around. He picked me up by the neck of my neck and the seat of me britches and said, he's hauling me out like I'm a paper sack of groceries. And said, he comes to the door. He lets go of the britches for a second. I'm choking. He opens the door, kicks it open, gets a hold of my britches. He walks out and he throws me like a wee sack of flour. He said, and I went sailing through the air with the greatest of ease. But he said, I was young and I was alive and I landed, but I rolled and I was up on my feet in a flash and said, as he turns and he's stomping back, I managed to make my way to the door and I got my wee little fit between the door and the jam. And so he didn't get to shut it. And he's marching in and I come in behind him. I said, sir! And he turns and he said, you may throw me out, but what are you going to do about your Bible? The Bible says, repent and be baptized. That was the message on the day of Pentecost. And he goes on preaching. And that's what they got in Acts chapter 8. And that's what they got in chapter 10. And he's given him all the scriptures. And he says, that's because Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. There's not a threesome. The hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he said, it was pouring out of him. He said, I had he said, I had McGee's book memorized. He said, it was pouring out of me like a machine gun. And he said, the man just stood there. He said, he couldn't move. He's like a deer in the headlights. And he said, I was pouring it out for five minutes. And he said, finally, the, the man's wife, she goes, and said, son, son. And he said, he was just, son, son. Yes. I, th I, think, I think it's enough now. Why don't you go ahead and go? Be all right. I'm just giving him scripture. I know, I know, I know. But I think it'll be okay. We got a lot to think about, right? He, was, oh. he walked out the door and the door slammed. Side note, that big, strong, healthy man that he told him in the conversation, him and his brother worked in the coal mines in Wales. Sometimes he had a brother as big as him. 
he'd pick up a piece of coal weighing 200 pounds plus, and the brother, he'd hold it against his chest while the brother would hit it with sledgehammers till it broke in pieces, not up against the wall, standing. He said, then I would do the same for my brother. They were men's men. One month later, no record of health problems. He dropped over dead in the same office. But he said, the next week after he was thrown out, he said, a knock came at his door. And he, he opened up the door and there was, there was three young men out there. And he said, are you the preacher that Chancellor so-and-so pitched out of the office? Yes. Why did he throw you out? He didn't like my doctrine. What's wrong with your doctrine? Nothing. Would you like to hear about it? Well, frankly, yes, we would. He said, come on in. And so they sat there for two and a half, three hours as he walked them through the doctrine. And they said, actually, that doesn't sound crazy at all. It actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I recently read one of the enemies of this truth, one of their top theologians. You know what he was warning Trinitarians about? He said, beware of the oneness people. What they say makes so much sense. You have to be careful you're not deluded by it. <laughs> Meaning, make sense of the Trinity. Duh. The invisible God cannot die. The invisible God cannot be seen. The invisible God is not flesh and blood. The invisible God, amen, neither tempts man nor can be tempted. That invisible God became flesh and dwelt among us. And now through, he was, through that body, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Through that body, he had no flesh and blood. But now through that body, the only innocent blood that ever beat through a human heart was shed for us. Amen. This, 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 this God who cannot die, this God tasted death for every man. And this man rose again and is sitting on the throne. Makes a lot of sense. A week after that, he got a phone call. Preacher, he said, I, I pastor a church in Wales. Is it true Chancellor so-and-so pitched you out of his office? Yes. Why? He didn't like my doctrine. Are you Pentecostal? Yes. Speaking in other tongues? Yes, absolutely. You're not Pentecostal if you don't speak in tongues. He said, really? He said, all right, two weeks from now, we're having a conference. It'll be in a special hall. There will be, there will be churches, 70 churches gathered. There'll be 65 to 70 pastors there. It goes Wednesday night, Thursday day, Thursday night, Friday day, Friday night, and Sunday, Saturday morning. He said, I want you to preach the opening service. He said, sure. He said, so that night the place was packed. And it came my turn. And he said, I got up. He told our church this. He said, I choked. This wee little Irishman choked. He said, I preached a nice little generic message. I said a lot and managed to say nothing. And he said, when I got done, I found out they really did have the Holy Ghost because over here, a powerful message in tongues went forth. 
And over here, an interpretation came. And the, he said, I was still standing in the pulpit. And the interpretation was this. I have this night sent my servant into your midst to declare unto you my truth. And this night, my servant did not obey me. He said, how do you suppose this sweet little Irishman felt? And he said, the pastor come up, got me by the arm, and he said, you will be preaching again tomorrow at 12 noon. He said, yes, sir. He said, now, folks, what do you suppose this sweet little Irishman figured out to preach the next day at noon? And he said, from that one message, 17 of those churches became one God, Jesus' name, apostolic churches. Let's all stand. This is not a message to run from. This is the only message under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And his name is Jesus. And thank God he had mercy on us to give us this message. We're not better than anybody. We're not more talented than anybody. We're not more special than anybody. But he's given us a message. Brother and Sister Bradley, he's called you. You fasted. You prayed. You've been faithful to God all these years. He's watched you. And now, he's sending you out. I'm sure the day will come. The choir in Somerset will be fabulous. First time I preached there was 26 years ago. I'm sure you're going to fill that place back up. I'm sure you're going to have to figure out a way to make that auditorium bigger. But this I know. It'll only be because you preach this truth, this whole truth, and nothing but this truth. And there's a lot that comes with it. We know that. It's a package deal. But the thing that'll make this couple great is the message he's given them. Brother and Sister Bradley, I'd like you to go down there and stand in front of those steps, in front of the pulpit, and face the congregation. And I'm turning this service to you that God has worked with and worked through in this process and we've come right now to the most important part of this service thank you elder praise God I want you to